All right, there we go. Um, so uh, open your Bible, and uh, if you don't have one, there's one there in front of you in the page. What page number do we have for... 1220, all right? 1220, and, uh, and we're going to pick up where we left off last time, and that is uh, chapter 4, verse 12. Chapter 4, verse 12, and then we're going to skip into chapter 5. And so if you were with us last time, we connected those, uh, those verses together. And so this is Peter's final words of advice, of wisdom uh, to the church. And he says this, Dear friends, Do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. And if you are insulted because of the name of the Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rest on you. And if you suffer... It should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly? And the sinner. So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves in their faithful Creator and continue to do good. And now we're going to pick up uh, in in verses uh, chapter five, verse sixteen. So humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that He may lift you up in due time, and cast all your anxiety on Him, because He cares for you. Now be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. And with the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I've written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you her greetings, and so does my son Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we uh, we praise you and we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is alive and true. So, Lord Jesus, for these next few moments, as we look into your word, we pray and ask, Holy Spirit, that you would open our minds, that you would give us understanding of your word, that you would... Help us to focus on what you would have to say to us. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would soften our hearts, that we might be changed and transformed by your word. And so, Lord, we humbly ask, speak to us now by your spirit, through your word. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the Apostle Peter is going to leave with us four words of encouragement 
as, as you and I, even here in the UK and in the West, as we uh, evermore are, are finding it harder to live out the gospel and to proclaim the truths of God's word as we uh, begin to encounter more and more persecution, uh, what would Peter live, uh, leave us with? Just four simple words of, uh, of wisdom that he gives us. Number one, uh, he tells us this, that as a follower of Jesus, I can expect persecution. As a follower of Jesus, I can expect persecution. Uh, notice what he says in, uh, in verse 12. In verse 12, he says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Uh, I think sometimes as followers of Jesus, uh, we might forget that persecution is to be expected. Uh, he says, do not be surprised at the outcome. Uh, I confess that before we moved to, to England, I had never encountered stinging nettle. Uh, I had never had the joy of rubbing up against it. And so we're, uh, we're in Litchfield one day, and, uh, and Max is probably about maybe three about three years old, and we're right there. We've got a blanket. We're doing a picnic right there by the, uh, by the lake in Litchfield. And, uh, and Max is just right down by the water playing, and all of a sudden, Max starts screaming. He loves when I tell stories about him in church, don't you, son? And so uh, Max starts screaming and, uh, and comes around. And so I just assumed, oh, he must have been stung by a bee. And, um, and so he comes up, and, he, and he's showing us his hand, and we can't, we can't see anything. And he, and he just starts saying, stingy bush. Bush. And so we're like, show us. And, uh, and so all four of us, Kayla is, I guess, about four or five. We all walk down, and Max points to the bush. And so I grab it. And I'm like, ah, stingy bush. And like, I'm going, and Christy is like, are you messing with me? And Christy reaches down and grabs the stinging. I'm not making this up. And so Christy starts screaming, and Kayla looks at us and takes off running and goes back to the picnic blanket. She's like, no, right? Kayla has figured it out, stingy bush. I don't know what I was expecting, right? If you touch stinging nettle, guess what happens? You get stung. And Peter is saying, listen, as Christians, we ought not be um, surprised that sometimes living for Jesus in this world stings. Like when your best mate, you know, abandons you, like Judas did Jesus, it stings. Right? When 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 difficult times happen, when when your coworkers think you're weird, it, it stings. When family members maybe don't invite you along to things because of your faith, it, it can sting a little bit. And Peter's saying, but but don't be surprised. Like expect it. it. It's kind of part of the package of following Jesus. And I think it's a really good word of advice that he leaves us. Like, just remember, in fact, we should normalize persecution. When difficult things happen because we stand for Jesus, that's not abnormal. That's actually normal. And so he reminds us of that. Uh, he, he tells us this in, in chapter 5, in verse 8, he says, yeah, there we go. He says, be alert and of sober mind, for your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Listen, uh, uh, there, there is an enemy to us. Uh, 
uh, Paul will explain in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Like our enemy is not the government. Our enemy is not the media. Our, our enemy is not our next door neighbors. Like we, we don't want to fall into that trap of, of somehow thinking that our enemy is flesh and blood. Uh, Paul says, no, our enemy is, is in the spiritual realm, rulers and princes of, of the air and powers and principalities. He's reminding us that we are in a spiritual battle. But, but sometimes for me, I forget because our world is so much about our body. Is that true? Like, like what is our body experiencing right now at this moment? Like, I imagine maybe in here you're a bit chilly. You're wishing we'd turn the heat on. Amen. Right? Maybe you're a little, a little bit hot. Maybe you're a little bit hungry. Right? Maybe you're a little bit anxious. Your mind is thinking about something. And, and so our physical being sometimes can just, just re- we forget that at our core we're spiritual beings, right? Paul says that our body's a bit like a tent. And who we really are abides inside the body, inside the tent. And, and so uh, the spiritual realm and spiritual warfare is real. I, I've, I've been trying to read this year a book a month. And, uh, and a couple of months ago, I read um, The Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis. I've read it a couple of times before. If you've never read it, it is brilliant. And, and just the way C.S. Lewis, using comedy and sarcasm, just really takes the mick out of the devil, but yet reminds us of the truth that there is an enemy And look what he says here. Your enemy seeks to do what? To devour. To devour. Man, in Erdington, why do we not want more betting shops? Because gambling devours families and finances. Why why don't we want more pornography in our city? Because it it devours and destroys families. Why do we not want these things? It's not because we're legalistic, but because you and I know that these are tools the enemy uses to destroy families. And so he says, expect persecution. Uh, we saw this uh, a couple of weeks ago, but Paul says it really clearly in 2 Timothy. He simply says this, Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Like that, that is about as plain as we can say it. Look at it again. Yes, And everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. If you want to be a woman of God, like if you want to be a man of God, persecution is part of the package. And and, and God uses it. We saw this over and over, how, how God uses persecution to mold us and make us and shape us into the image of Jesus. He uses persecution for his glory and for our good. If we want to be godly, this is part of the process. Uh, I'd mentioned to you about uh, my brother-in-law who used to work at a gym, and uh, he was real buff, and so I decided I probably needed to get buff. And, and, uh, and so I started going to the gym, and man, I was just sore, and he was reminding me that, that the way building muscle works is when you lift weights on a molecular level, you actually do damage to the muscle, and then the muscle here uh, heals, and then it tears, and it heals, and it tears, and it heals. And that process of injury and healing is what builds strength. And so we would use the phrase, no pain, no gain, right? If, if you want to build. Uh, I can remember once, I was, probably about, I was probably about 17, and I decided I was going to become a runner. 
Nikki, that wasn't the funny part of the story yet. Um, and, uh, and so I went out, and, um, and I got as far as the end of our cul-de-sac, and I came back. I came in, I was sweating, and I sat down, and my mom was like, son, that's impressive. Like, you've only been gone like 10 minutes. How far did you go? And I'm like, I went to the mailbox, and I sat down and rested and came back. What I realize is if you're a runner, and I know some of you are, like you build it up, don't you? Like you do a little bit at a time and you build up, right? And so watch this. God uses persecution to build up our faith. If you want to do a spiritual 20K, you're going to face persecution. Because to build spiritual muscle and endurance, God uses persecution. Now, I love the fact that Peter gives this uh, really sweet um, uh, a bit of encouragement, and, and he says it this way. I don't think this is working, Ben. If you could go to the next slide for me, please. Yeah, he says this in verse 9. He says, resist him, the devil, standing firm in the faith. And this is so encouraging. Look what he says. Because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Like there's there's this beautiful encouragement in knowing that we're not alone. That like suffering for Jesus, we are not alone. Now I find this encouraging but I can't fathom how encouraging this would be to a Christian in Iran this morning or to a Christian in Saudi Arabia or to a Christian in North Korea who, who, who hopefully knows the scripture and that they would know that they are not in isolation. They are not alone, but, but brothers and sisters around the world are, incur- are encountering the same suffering. And we take encouragement in knowing we are not alone there's, there's some, something unique about the encouragement of being with someone who's been what you've been through. So uh, my niece, I've shared with you before, um, uh, my oldest niece, Hannah, was born um, with, with on one hand no fingers, just a thumb, and on another hand just two fingers, and then one of her legs, uh, part of her leg is missing. And, uh, and so we weren't anticipating that, and so when she was born... Like she had to have several surgeries, and she had to have prosthetics and all of these things. And all of the sudden, our life was opened up into a community that we never really knew existed. And all of a sudden, like we would go to like play dates and things, and like none of the kids had legs. Like we would just get on the floor and play and like, the parents would sit over on the side and encourage one another. See, because here's the thing. They had encountered the same challenge, and they were uniquely fit to encourage one another in a way that maybe others couldn't. And, and there's something beautiful about the body of Christ when we suffer for Jesus that uh, Christy and I spent time in South Africa many years ago, and we lived with a Zulu family who we had never met. It was an arranged thing. And, and, and here's this Zulu family um, that we were living with who we had never met. And, and instantly, after one night together, we had more in common with them than we did with our unbelieving family and friends. There's this beautiful bond of wherever you go in the world, when you meet a brother or sister, you're immediately connected. Amen? 
And so he, he says, as a follower of Jesus, I can expect persecution, but remember, we are not alone. Uh, secondly, he tells us this, that as a follower of Jesus, not only can I expect persecution, but I can rejoice in persecution. As a follower of Jesus, I can rejoice in persecution. He says this in verses 13 and 14. He says, but rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rest on you. Isn't that amazing? He says, look, when, when, when you face persecution, there are going to be two amazing benefits He says, first of all, that day when you meet Jesus, when his glory is revealed, man, how blessed you will be to to be able to meet your Savior knowing that he can look at you and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Isn't that great? Isn't that wonderful? But then he says this. He says, if you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, right? It's that idea of shalom, for the spirit of glory and of God rest upon you. It's one of the only times in the entire Bible that this phrase spirit of glory is used. It might be, I want to say it's the only time, but certainly one of the only times in the entire New Testament. The spirit of glory. And it's capitalized because it's, it's, it's God himself manifest in his glory. It's this idea. Do you remember the Ark of the Covenant? In the Old Testament, and the Bible said that the glory of God was over the Ark of the Covenant. Watch this. He says, when you're a Christian and you endure persecution, the glory of God rests upon you in a special way. And if you've ever met someone who, who has that experience, like it, it is almost tangible. Um, we've, we've got uh, uh, some friends of ours, a couple, um, Ying Kai and Grace, they've been here uh, two or three times to do training. And uh, Ying Kai was born in China, and then his family fled to Taiwan. And then Ying Kai and Grace eventually went back into China and served for decades doing church planting and suffered unbelievable persecution in China, but saw literally thousands of house churches planted. But here's the thing. Uh, when you're with Ying Kai, and he's Yin Kai is probably in his mid-70s, maybe 80 now. He's just about a little shorter than me, and he just, um, he's very quiet. He doesn't say much, but the glory, the spirit of glory and power of God is on him in a way that it's not on me. And, And the suffering that he endured for decades in China, uh, it brought about a particular blessing upon that brother that, that is almost tangible. And, and there have been times I've been with him and I've thought, oh, Lord, I would, I would love whatever it is he has, Lord, I would love to have that. But I don't know if I want to have decades of persecution to get it. Are you with me? He says there's a, 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 a blessing of the spirit of glory that rests on our brothers and sisters who endure persecution that is unique. Do you remember when, do you remember when the disciples, um, they, they go to the temple in Acts and, uh, and the man's asking for money? Do you remember? Uh, he, Peter says, Peter says, silver and gold I don't have, 
Well, what we have, we give you in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And so they're arrested for healing this man. And do you remember, they're taken before the Jewish leaders. And this is what it says. It says the Jewish leaders realized that these were uneducated men, but they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Do you remember that? See, the first thing they realized was these, these guys haven't been to university. The second thing they realized was these guys have been with Jesus. There was something different about these men that others were able to say they have been with Jesus. And so there is a, uh, there's a blessing in persecution that we can rejoice over. He says this in verse, uh, verse 16. He says, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear the name. He says, praise God, rejoice. Like, man, we, I, that's not usually my first go-to when I feel persecuted, right? When like someone offends me or, or, or someone, you know, hurts me for my faith, my usual initial response is not like to break out in song, right? And yet he says, like when, when you're persecuted, rejoice that you have the privilege of bearing the name of Jesus, He reminds us that in the midst of persecution, we want to expect it. We want to rejoice in it. But then thirdly, Peter tells us this. As a follower of Jesus, I must evaluate my persecution. As a follower of Jesus, I want to evaluate my persecution. Look what he says in verse 15. In verse 15, he says this. He says, if you suffer, if you suffer, it should not be for being a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal or even a meddler. He says, however, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. Uh, Peter's reminding us that, that we might suffer, but we have to be careful that we're not suffering for our sin as opposed to suffering for Jesus. Does that make sense? Like sometimes we bring suffering upon ourselves, and it might be we want to spiritualize it or recontextualize it, but the reality is I've brought persecution upon myself because of my own sinfulness. Like maybe I was rude to my neighbor, or maybe, you know, something I said or something I did, and then their response to me might feel like persecution, but actually they're just responding to me being a jerk. Are you with me? And so he says, we want to evaluate our persecution. So when we're being persecuted, like we need to step back and say, right, like, why is this happening? Right? Is, is this happening because maybe I've acted in pride? Like maybe I, I've, I've went about saying or doing something in a way that wasn't wise or didn't honor the Lord? Like we need to step back. Uh, we live in a, a culture of victimization, do we not? And so it's easy to all of a sudden think maybe I'm a victim, but, but maybe I brought it upon myself. And so Peter says, make sure that uh, you uh, evaluate why you're being persecuted. Uh, Paul uh, says it this way in 1 Timothy, writing to Timothy. Paul says, so do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, Paul, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering. Why? For the gospel by the power of God. And so Paul says, listen, join me in suffering. But make sure that you're suffering for what? For the gospel. That we're suffering for the gospel. And so uh, we, we want to expect persecution. We want to rejoice in it. But we want to make sure we evaluate, like, why is this happening? And is this because I'm suffering for the gospel? And if the answer is yes, then, 
Praise the Lord. He says, you will be blessed. Finally, we see this, number four, that as a follower of Jesus, I can expect persecution. I can rejoice in it. I need to evaluate it. But lastly, as a follower of Jesus, I can trust God in my persecution. As a follower of Jesus, I can trust God in my persecution. Uh, He says this in chapter 5, verses 6. In seven, uh, Peter writes this. He says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time and cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Uh, 1 Peter 5, 7 was the first Bible verse I ever memorized. Uh, I, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. We never owned a Bible, never went to church. But when I was, uh, when I was 12 years old, uh, I received a Gideon's New Testament at our school, and uh, I had no clue what it was other than this little green book. And I remember taking it home, and in the very back of it, it had all of these categories. And beside the category, it had like this odd little thing with a number. And so uh, even as a young child, I really sometimes struggled with being anxious, being a worrier. And, uh, and I remember opening this little green book, and I saw the word fear. And uh, because that's essentially what anxiety is, isn't it? It's fear. And I can remember at the age of 12, it took me like an hour to figure out how to use this green book. But I finally got to 1 Peter 5, 7. It said, cast all your cares upon me for I careth for you. It was a King James. And so um, I memorized it. I wasn't a Christian. I didn't even know what the green book was. But I knew this. When I read that little sentence, it made me feel better. At the age of 12. When I read this little sentence in this little green book, something happened in my heart. And now, as an adult, looking back, I know what it was. There's power in the word. And so uh, how anxious would you be? How fearful would you be if churches were being destroyed and Christians were being imprisoned and killed? I would imagine we'd be quite anxious. I would, right? I'd be quite fearful. And so in its context, Peter is saying, When you are persecuted, right, he says, cast all that fear on the Lord because he cares for you. He says, "Uh, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may what? Lift you up in due season. Lift you up in due time. And so in the midst of persecution, we want to be reminded that we can trust God, that we can cast our fears, cast our cares to him, and he will take care of us because we are his people And then he says this in verses 10 and 11. He says, And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. For to him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? He says, The God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while, will himself, Jesus himself, he doesn't send an angel or a messenger, Jesus himself will restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Isn't that good? Because I'm usually none of those things, firm, strong, or steadfast. But he says, in Christ, the power of Jesus, that is who we are. And we can trust him in the midst of persecution. Peter says it's just for a little while. Uh, In 2 Peter, 
Peter writes back to them and says, he says, be reminded that to the Lord, a thousand years is one day. A thousand years is one day. And so what is suffering for 50, 60, or 70 years if a thousand years is but one day? I tried to do the math based on that to figure out how long. Yeah, Hillary, feel free to laugh because it didn't work. Because I was going to have like this cool sermon point where I did all the math and was like, so you're actually only suffering for 32 seconds. Um, Let's just say 32 seconds because that just sounded really good. Uh, Here's Peter's point. When we get to heaven, the suffering we encounter in this world will be but the blink of an eye. And we'll be with Jesus forever. Amen, church? The suffering we encounter in this life on the other side of heaven will be but the blink of an eye. And we'll look back and say it was worth it all. Let me remind us who wrote this. Peter. You say, yeah, but Peter was bold and strong and tough. Was he? They've arrested Jesus. Peter lashes out and fights, pulls out a sword, cuts someone's ear off. Jesus rebukes him for that, heals the man. Everybody's got to be thinking, Peter, Peter's the guy. Like, Peter's going to rescue Jesus. Right? And so they make their way following the soldiers who have arrested Jesus. They get to the outer court where the high priests are meeting, where they're going to try Jesus in the middle of the night, which, by the way, was against the law. They were only allowed to meet during the day. So they're having this illegal trial, and Peter's out in the courtyard and he's trying to listen in. Do you remember he's warming himself around a fire? And a teenage girl walks up. No offense to teenage girls. They've scared me more than once. But a teenage girl walks up and says, aren't, aren't you one of his followers? And what does Peter do? He completely implodes and says, I, I, I'm not a follower of Jesus. I don't know what you're talking about. He makes his way out and he moves away from them. And now he's with a group of men and he's talking and they hear his accent. Your accent, you, you have the accent of someone from Galilee. Are you with that rabbi from Galilee? Are you one of his followers? No, never heard of him. And the scripture says that Peter, don't miss this, begins to curse the name of Jesus. He doesn't just say no. He uses profanity. And immediately, what does he hear in the distance? Here's a rooster. He's reminded of what Jesus has said. I think it's important we remember who writes this. Because this is a man who knew what it was like to cave when things got tough. He's also a man who knew what it was like to be forgiven, restored. And one year after writing this letter, Peter's going to be crucified on a cross. History tells us that he didn't feel worthy to die on a cross like his Savior, so he requested that he would be crucified upside down. That's how Jesus died. 
Maybe you're like me and maybe you've chickened out sometimes. I sure have. Des and I were flying back from America a couple years ago and there are three of us sitting on an aisle in an airplane. It's me and Jez and a young lady and we're flying from uh, Atlanta, Georgia to uh, Amsterdam in the Netherlands. And Jez fell asleep pretty quickly and so it's just me and this young lady and I immediately just felt the Lord say, man, you need to, you need to share the gospel with her. So we, we begin to chat and I'm asking her why she's going and we're having this wonderful conversation and I'm like, well, I'll get around to it, Lord. We've, we've got about 10 hours. And every time I would go to mention Jesus, I'm just going to be honest, my palms would start sweating. I'd get a lump in my throat. I would just get scared to death. You ever been there? You feel like a failure? Feel like you let Jesus down? And I promise you that just like he was the God of second and third chances for Peter, he'll be the God of second, third, fourth, fifth, on and on for us. Why? Because he loves you. He gives us the strength to stand for him. But can I just say, in those times when maybe we fail, don't hide. Bring it before him. Find his forgiveness. Trust him for the next opportunity. Amen, church? We, uh, we started our series many weeks ago with this guy, Nero. And we talked about what a bad, bad, nasty fellow he was and all he did to the church. Well, now we're done with one Peter. Well, I want to finish with this guy. That's the Lord Jesus. Amen. For greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. We finish our series, 1 Peter, with this reminder from the book of Hebrews. And Hebrews says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before Jesus... He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And consider him, Jesus, who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are a Savior who understands. As we saw in your word earlier, Jesus, you, uh, you suffered physically, emotionally, relationally, even spiritually. We're so thankful, Lord, that your word says in Hebrews that, Jesus, you were tempted in every way as a man, yet without sin. We praise you and thank you that, Jesus, you understand our plight. You understand our struggle. And Jesus, you even anticipate our failures. And so Jesus, as we, as we conclude uh, 1 Peter, yeah, just as, as we have our eyes closed and as we're just listening to the Lord, I, I, would, I would just ask you, have maybe you ever felt like a failure in speaking up for Jesus? 
the answer is yes, I would, I would say Peter understands. Did you just, maybe the enemy has made you to walk in shame or guilt over that? Would you just pray now and ask the Lord to remove that shame, remove that guilt, and thank Him that you are forgiven, and thank Him that He is a God of second chances? Would you do that? I had to do it. In fact, I have to do it quite often, if I'm honest. Maybe you are enduring persecution. Maybe relationally, maybe at work, maybe on your street. Would you just pray right now and and just rejoice in that? Would you thank Jesus for that right now, as weird as that feels? Would you ask Jesus to help you, to strengthen you, as you stand for him? Jesus, we thank you for the book of 1 Peter. Thank you for the encouragement that by your spirit you have given us through this letter. Jesus, we would ask that as Oikos Church here in our community, Lord, may we be known by our love. May we be known by our humility. May we be known as a people Stand firmly on your word, no matter the cost. Jesus, would you restore us? Would you renew us? We ask that you would give us opportunities, even today, to share your hope, share your love. We ask all this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.